Welcome to the After Work Drinks Club, a business podcast where I chat with influential and all-round incredible people to find out how they got to where they are and how you can too. If you want to level up, go make your order at the bar, pull up a seat at the table and join in because you belong here. I'm your host, Vanessa Sanyauke, the founder and CEO of Girls Talk Corporation. We connect our global community to jobs and opportunities. So if you're listening on your morning commute with a coffee, working from home with a cup of tea, or joining us for after work drinks, consider this your time to laugh, learn and level up. Welcome to the After Work Drinks Club. I am back with another episode. And you know, let's get to the important stuff first. What am I drinking? So right now I am drinking some herbal tea, some pucka tea. It's their nighttime tea because I'm recording this podcast just before I'm about to go to bed. It's been a long day, but earlier I had a really lovely day. It's mother, it was, well, today, as I'm recording this podcast, it's Mother's Day, but this will come out the day after on the Monday. So in the UK, today is Mother's Day. I had a great time with, with my mum and we, um, this afternoon, we actually took her to my friend's restaurant. So my friend, Lawrence, owns a restaurant, which is called Papa L's Kitchen and it's based in Piccadilly Circus and the food is absolutely amazing. It's African fusion and Lawrence is an esteemed head chef. He's worked at the best of the best. He's worked at the Ivy. He's worked at Sexy Fish. All of the top London restaurants Lawrence has been a chef at and he's opened up his restaurant. It's amazing. So my niece and I took my mum for Mother's Day lunch there and my mum and I we shared a bottle of South African wine, whoop, whoop, Klein Kloof Chenon Blanc, which was absolutely gorgeous. And then when we came back home, my mum, uh, I don't, I don't want to say forced me, but she said, yeah, open up another bottle. So I had some Boschendale, that's another South African brand. And we had their Sauvignon Blanc. So when we went to Cape Town in December. We went to the Boschendale Wine Estate and I brought some bottles back and so we opened up a bottle. So right now I'm just winding down and I've got my uh, nighttime puck of tea. So cheers to you. Right, so it's been an eventful week. I'm just going to fill you in on what I've been up to and as I mentioned, today was Mother's Day. So Shout out to my mom. You are amazing. Thank you so much for everything that you've done for me. And I just, there's nothing I can really say. There's no words that I can say about my mom that could, I'd be here all day. So she's awesome. She's always been there for me, my biggest supporter. And I'm just so grateful that I have her in my life. So thanks to mom. I'll be cheersing my tea to you. And just shout out to all the mothers that I know in my network and my community and all the mothers who are part of my community for the After Work Drinks Club. Cheers to you. You are incredible. So I hope you've all had an amazing day. Right, this week, what have I been up to? I recorded a podcast. It's called Beyond Coding. 
And it's hosted by Patrick Akil. He's based in Amsterdam, and that was pretty cool. So he interviews some, I guess, I guess people who are from different backgrounds and they work in tech. And he's, you know, him and I had a really great conversation and we were talking about my SaaS product, so my um, subscription-based product that we've launched in beta mode and just a bit more about my career journey. So I think that comes out in a couple of weeks time. So I'll let you know where, when that drops, so you guys can check it out. I also had lunch with my friend Edwin. He runs this amazing mental health charity called Reset. And Edwin took me for lunch. I was so happy. I was like, yes. So I got treated to a really lovely lunch. I hadn't seen Edwin and I, although we're we're really close, I actually realised we had not seen each other for about five years because the last time we saw each other was in 2018. And then the pandemic happened. And then here we are. So couldn't believe it. it was the first time I saw him face to face and it was lovely. And then yesterday I spoke at an event for Bell Eve. They are a UK based charity and they work with young girls to empower them. And I spoke on a panel for them. They had a, an event called Leading with Equity. And I spoke on a panel talking about all things finance with some other wonderful, wonderful women. And it was really great. It was such a lovely event and the vibe was just lovely. And I got to hear the backstory about how the women started up the charity. And it was so moving. They set up the charity in honor of their mother who they lost to cancer years ago and they wanted to do something to really build a legacy and it's just incredible to see how they've been inspiring so many young girls to develop confidence and to really know who they are and so it was really interesting to be on their finance panel actually I was on the finance panel with my friend Remy, Remy Ray and it took me back so I was like okay am I qualified to speak on finance but actually I am I've really come a long way and it was just great to share some wisdom that I wish I had when I was their age. So definitely do please check them out and support them. Belle Eve, incredible, incredible charity. I'll put the the link to their charity in the description notes. So I wanted to share some lessons that I've learned this week. So as I mentioned on this journey, (laughs) on this journey, of entrepreneurship, there's been ups and downs. And I really want to share some of the lessons that I've been learning on a weekly basis, because I literally have been learning lessons every week. The first thing I really came to understand this week is around where even if you are a startup, right, that I get to choose who I work with, and who comes on board with me. And who I want to seek partnership or seek business from. Sometimes when you're in business and you think, you know, I really want to work with this person or I want to take my business from A to B and I maybe need to align with certain people to help me get there. But then sometimes, not that you're desperate, but you're so eager and there's just this drive and this determination to achieve your goals. Sometimes you can approach it from a place of lack and in a place of, everybody else determines who who you get to work with or if they get to work with you. 
And I kind of realized this week that as much as I may be seeking advice from some people or I may want to do business with some people or I might want some people to join my team. And sometimes you just, you can feel out of control even though it's your business. It's so hard to explain. But then I realized this week that I get to choose and I need to reclaim my power and use my voice. And so there's an example, I won't go into too much detail, but there was a particular person I was supposed to have a call with. And the last time we'd arranged a call, they had canceled, you know, last minute, which is fine. It happens. That's cool. And then we'd arranged another call this week. And for me, I am really big about lateness. So even if it's a Zoom call, if you're going to be a few minutes late, like if you're going to be more than five minutes late, I think it's just courteous to let the person know via email, look, I'm running late. So, and I wasn't sure as well if they were going to show up or if they had it in their diary. So get on the call now. And I waited for about five minutes, was in the waiting room, was in the waiting room. And then um, the Zoom just dropped off. And I was like, okay, this is really odd. Maybe they just didn't have it in their diary. So I emailed the person and I said, I was on the line, but it just dropped off. And then they were like, they re- they responded saying, well, I joined. Uh, what time did they say they joined? I joined like something like, actually, sorry, let me just backtrack. I stayed on the line for 10 minutes. Sorry, not five minutes, 10 minutes. I'd waited on that line in the waiting room for 10 minutes. Then they responded in their email saying, well, I joined seven minutes after our meeting was supposed to start, but you weren't there. And I was thinking, hold on a minute, you're like seven minutes late. So you're saying you're seven minutes late. Is that appropriate? And then I had waited 10 minutes and the line had dropped. It wasn't like I had come off. Literally, I I was in the waiting room and I think maybe Zoom, because I've been waiting so long, I think Zoom just removed me. And the person was just really rude. And then, and then they said, well, I was there seven minutes after our meeting time and I don't have any spaces until April. And I thought, baby, I don't want to be meeting you in April. Like you're not the kind of person that I want to have a relationship with in any capacity because you don't respect time and you're quite rude. And I think it's so important for us to realize that you need to work with people who respect you, who have manners, who are courteous and all of those things. So that's what I learned uh, this week. I also learned as well, this was an aha moment for me around goals. So I'm a really ambitious person. I have big goals and big plans for my life. However, one thing I lack and I'm trying to get better at is patience because I want everything now. And that's really tough for me. And so I set these massive, big, crazy goals for myself, which is good. But then sometimes what I realized this week is what I've been failing to do is break my goals down. And it sounds so simple. I'm like, Vanessa, how did you just catch this lesson when you coach women and you tell them this and you're not practicing it? But I had this one particular goal that was huge. And an amazing woman that I met this week just said to me, you need to break it down. Like this is, when you tell people this goal, it's wow, break it down. And I thought, and this week, everything just changed for me. There was like this switch that just flipped. And I thought, it's okay to have big goals. Like my big goal that I've got is still there, but I need to break it down. And I brought, and I've broken it down into stages. 
And since doing that, I just feel so much lighter and I feel so much more motivated. I was getting a bit demotivated because I've been setting these big goals, but yet not feeling like I'm making progress. If you set this amazing goal, sometimes if you're not even close to that big goal, sometimes you feel demotivated because you're like, where I want to be is so far. But if you kind of break these goals down, you're going to get to your big goal much quicker and it's going to be much more achievable and you're going to be more motivated. So I kind of learned this week, Vanessa, it's cool to have your goals, but slow your roll. So thank you for that, Jim. The last lesson that I've learned this week was actually came about from my friend, Remy Ray. So I spoke about her earlier. We were on a panel this weekend and Remy was on, so Remy's an entrepreneur like me and Remy was on her Instagram live and she was talking about how people need to actually determine whether they want to be a CEO or an entrepreneur. I'm going to break this down for you. So me, I thought, listen, forget this corporate life. I've done my time. I've done my stretch. (laughs) Free me. I'm out. Right. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to run my business. But what I thought running my business would be and what it actually is, is a whole nother level. I didn't really want to be a CEO. I wanted to be an entrepreneur and an entrepreneur really, entrepreneurs are typically those people who they've got a fantastic business model and income streams where they don't necessarily have to run a team. So they might be influencers, they might be coaches, they might have a product that they sell maybe that they kind of like outsource to a warehouse facility, that kind of thing. So entrepreneurs really don't have that bigger team. So they they might have a virtual assistant or they might outsource a lot of their stuff so that they're able to enjoy their life. They're able to travel. They've got a bit more free time. They're just living life. But listen, I am a CEO and CEO, I'm not living that life. If you're a CEO and you run your own business, it's work, like it's hard work. You have to deal with staffing issues, people every day. And I'd say 50% of your time, if not more, is just about the people in your business or the people who you are trying to get into your business or the people who are in your business and you've got to work with them. There could be issues or there might be you might have to coach them, etc. Share the vision of the company, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So much time of a CEO's life and day to day is on the people, and also being a CEO, you don't have time because you're dealing with staffing issues, but you're also your salesperson. You're also the per- the the brand of your company. Sometimes so you've got to go and speak at any opportunity. You've also got to do business development. You've got to also be in the product development or the service development and you are your accountant you are also sometimes your social media you're everything and being a CEO is tough and Remy was saying people need to get clear on what it is they want because the CEO life is not for everyone and that's the lesson that I learned and I thought I mean I am up for the challenge you know I really enjoy being a CEO it's great I've learned so much but it made me think if I could have like a crystal ball if I could do this again (laughs) I would be much clearer on the difference between a CEO versus an entrepreneur because the people who are entrepreneurs 
they're living their best life. But I think I think a CEO, what's great is that you're building something and you're building a legacy where if you get your business to a really great level, it can exist beyond you. Whereas sometimes entrepreneurs, their business model relies heavily on them. And I'm not saying that they're not going to have a legacy, but you're going to have more chance of really having a legacy if you're a CEO. So I wouldn't change it for a thing. But for me, it was something that I wish I knew before I got into this. Right, so the tea this week. First of all, I wanted to talk about this. Would I say it's revolutionary? Yes, it is for women, okay? So the UK government announced in their new budget that, and this is monumental because the UK, I think, has the world's second most expensive childcare. Working parents in the UK spend about half of their salary on childcare. And that's one of the reasons why I don't have no kids right now, because that is expensive, okay? So the UK government finally got their asses together and they have made free childcare for working parents in England free to cover all children who were under the age of five. Now, before it was only if after your child was three years old, which was ridiculous. So you'd find lots of women after they've had their baby for the first three years, their career stifled. And not only that, it's so expensive that the free childcare just didn't make any sense. So now the UK government, they've expanded it. So if you're a working parent, but you have to be earning to get free childcare, I think you have to be earning um, £100,000 or under £100,000 to be eligible for the free childcare. And that's going to come into effect in two years time. So by September 2025. So this is going to allow 60,000 more parents of young children to get back into the workforce, which is fantastic. So it's just incredible. So what they're going to do is they're going to do it in stages. So the first stage is eligible working parents. If, you, if you're an eligible working parent of a two-year-olds, you'll get 15 hours of free childcare per week from next April. Then children between nine months and two years old will get 15 hours of free childcare from September 2024. Then all eligible under fives will get 30 hours of free childcare from September 2025. This is incredible. I just, I actually, when I heard this news and this news is linked to my cheers of the week. But when I heard this news, my heart did sink a little bit. I felt really bad for the women who I know who have been struggling, who've had to come out of the workforce, who've not been able to live well and have struggled because of how stupidly expensive childcare is in the UK. It's absolutely ridiculous. Some friends of mine, they're spending about £1,200 a month for one child, one child, right, in the UK. It's, it's actually insane. I feel like sometimes living in the UK, I feel like I'm living on a mad planet. How can childcare be over a grand? Then you've got the the energy crisis where some people are paying 300, 400 pounds a month. Your grocery bill's now gone up. It's rent some people, for some people, their rent has gone up. The mortgages because of that, this foolish people that were in the government, I'm not even gonna say their name, but Liz Truss and her 
friends have messed up people who've got mortgages that sometimes now that their mortgage rates have doubled. I mean, I just think, oh, we live in in a mad world. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So at least the UK government are doing something finally to address this crazy issue because I feel that, and I think the great thing is under £100,000 because I guess whether you're a two-parent household or a single-parent household, I feel like everyone, majority of people, even those who are doing, you know, relatively well are covered, you know? So I'm just joyful. I'm delighted. I feel a bit more encouraged now to have kids. I'm not ready yet, but it makes me not worry too much because that was an issue for me. I'm like, how am I going to live my life? How am I going to do the things I need to do? It doesn't, it did not make financial sense for me to have kids. I thought this does, the numbers aren't numbering. The numbers are not numbering. I'm going to be in minus. So this is welcome news. So hooray, 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 hooray. Right. Another day, another bank collapse. We have I shouldn't laugh. It's not funny, but it's it's a joke at this point. It's really just, it's getting, for me, it's getting a bit ridiculous. And I'm going to tell you why I don't necessarily feel for this bank. Credit Suisse. So Credit Suisse is a Swiss bank and the Swiss government, they've now forced through a takeover of Credit Suisse. So Credit Suisse essentially has been having a lot of financial troubles. Their profits have tumbled they've lost i guess the they've lost the trust in the market so the markets are feeling very shaky about credit suisse um even their investors are just saying to them no more money we're not pumping in any more money so what's happened is there's another rival bank ubs and which is also based in switzerland hence the name and so the swiss government has intervened and they've forced through a takeover of credit suisse by their rival UBS. So UBS has now acquired Credit Suisse for 2.65 billion, which is well below its market value. But they've done this because there there are fears that if you if Credit Suisse collapses, that they, they might fail to protect everyone who has cash in that bank. And then this would of course trigger a new global banking crisis. And like I said before, we don't have time for this. Okay, the world is mad enough as it is. So thank you to the Swiss government in sorting out this mess. But that is what could have happened. So they had to force this through. And what was quite interesting is their rivals. So Credit Suisse on their website, they've said it was a merger. And UBS have said we've acquired Credit Suisse. Credit Suisse, you're so feisty. You're so feisty and rude. It's just not a merger. They've acquired you. Even even on your way down, on your way down, you're still feisty. I can't, it's, it's, go, if you go onto creditsuisse.com, you'll see this, this statement and then UBS are saying we've acquired Credit Suisse. And so it's interesting. It's like, it's like, it's so huge though. It's like, it's like HSBC buying Barclays Bank. That's how mad it is. So they had a weekend of frantic talks, the Swiss government and their banking regulator in Switzerland. They brokered a deal. And what happened was they, so Credit Suisse was supposed to have a loan of 54 billion US dollars. Can you imagine this? Um, but this just did not go through. It didn't go through. So this was the alternative. And they felt it was, you know, the takeover of Credit Suisse by UBS, uh, the um, president of Switzerland said it was the best solution. 
Um, so I think it's just, I guess the deal is going through and they did the deal yesterday when this podcast comes out to make sure that when the market's open today, there is no madness. Um, what's quite shocking is that all of their private investors, so the private investors who supported Credit Suisse with 16 US billion dollars of credit, they're also expected to be wiped out by the deal. It's mad. And um, I I feel a bit bittersweet about this because, so Credit Suisse have been involved in a lot of controversial moves. And I guess before I kind of detail what some of those, I guess, scandals are, it's just, it's, it's just very interesting to see the collapse of this bank because they employ about 5,000 people in the UK and it's just mad. I'm just so shocked. So they, I mean, what happened was UBS initially said, okay, we're going to give you 1 billion US. And then that was rejected by the board of Credit Suisse. And um, this price tag is still well below its value. Even after, so on, you know, so on Friday, their value had crumbled to just about 7 billion pounds. Um, but they bought it for two point, um, 2.6 billion pounds so they got a bargain but Credit Suisse's share price has gone down 86% since February 2021 because of the scandals I'm going to talk to you about now and there's one in particular which that always got me annoyed it always got me vexed so they've had compliance problems and they've had bad financial bets so in 2014 the bank pleaded guilty because they allowed US clients to evade their taxes so they got fined 2.6 billion US dollars from the US government and New York financial regulators. So you know you hear a lot about how, I guess, lenient the Swiss, I guess, banking system is. So sometimes there's a lot of rumours that, you know, if you're a little bit dodgy, you can go to Switzerland and hide your money there. So this is, I guess, an example of could those rumours be true? Now, this is what really upset me. So in 2020, so Credit Suisse, they had their old chief executive, uh, Tijani uh, Thiam, he resigned because there were two corporate espionage scandals which involved senior employees, right? And it was around spying and nonsense. And then they also lost 5.5 US dollars uh, because of the collapse of a US um, hedge fund. So when there's a there's an article, I think it was written by The Times that kind of details Tijani, and I hope I pronounce his surname right, DM. He is very influential in the corporate space in terms of a black man. So I guess he's probably one of the most senior black bankers in the world. So he he was CEO of Credit Suisse, but before that. I believe he was the CEO of Prudential, which is a massive financial services firm in the UK. For a black man to get to that level, it's huge. So I've always um, admired Tijani and, or Tijan, I really, my, my pronunciation of names, excuse me, Tijan, it might be Tijan, but I actually called him Tijane, you know, maybe I, <laughs> my, my, my own way, but let me say Tijan, um, but I'm just putting a nay in it, but it could be Tijan, Tijan DM. So let's call him Tijan. He became the CEO of Credit Suisse and a few years ago. And as a black man in a very white dominated sector, that was always a huge deal. So when he became CEO, Credit Suisse was actually, he turned around the bank and they were actually profit making. 
Now, there was a lot of backstabbing between essentially his number two, a lot of jealousy, a lot of envy. And what happened was he resigned. They basically threw him under the bus. And I feel that there was also underlying corporate racism that played a part because there were, if you read there's an article, I think it was by the New York Times that details it perfectly, but there was just a lot of backstory around his experience and how it was very hostile. So yet I'm turning around a profit for the company, but yet you're making it harder for me to do my job. And there was just so much internal politics. And I think, okay, you fired the the black CEO that you had and then everything crumbled. He was doing well. And it just, I won't go into it now because I want to keep this episode very short and sweet, but it just makes me so mad. And I kind of feel like in my heart, well, this is the cost of racism as well as scandal, as well as partaking in fraud. All of these bad behaviours will catch up with you. I really believe in karma. Karma does not, even a corporate, an entity cannot escape karma. If you treat your people who are leading your business, people who are actually doing good things for your company, bad, it will come back to bite you. They, There was a Guardian news article that, that was um, detailing, based on a leak, that fraudsters, criminals and corrupt politicians, they'd stored £80 billion of money with Credit Suisse. I mean, it's just crazy. So I feel... Who I feel sorry for are, of course, the employees who I'm sure have worked, their lives are now in jeopardy with this acquisition because who knows if they're going to have a job in the next week or so. It's going to be really a tough time. So they don't deserve this. They don't deserve this. But I feel like as a corporate entity, they had it coming. You can't just do all this, do all this and get away with it. It's just shocking to me how shit is hitting the fan. And have we not learned anything from the 2008 banking crisis? Clearly not. And people always go on about why is diversity so important? Oh, this is just nonsense. Because they had a man who was doing good. But let's be real, because he was a black man in a very white... Switzerland is very white, very white um, environment. And it's very hostile, especially for a black man. So who... I'm... In the article, read the article, search um, Tijan, DM, New York Times, and you'll see the article on there. And it was just a very hostile environment for him, especially when you're working in a predominantly white space. As a black person, there there is a lot of what we call subtle racism. And just in that environment, there was no, re- like, when you read the story, because I was following it during that time, it just wasn't making sense. All of the excuses, all of the reasons, this man is turning around this bank, it's making a profit, it's doing well. And you fire him because he got set up about stuff that he didn't even do. They were just, there was this kind of spying scandal and all this nonsense. Thoughts and prayers to all the employees at Credit Suisse. <laughs> Right, so my cheers of the week. So my cheers of the week are going out to three amazing women. Now, the first cheers of the week goes to Tiwa Ogunlezi, who is the author of Confident and Killing It. And by that book, it's amazing. And she's also a confidence coach. And she posted this post on her Instagram, which I thought was really vulnerable, but I just, it just really resonated with me. So thanks so much to Tiwa. She posted a post of a picture of herself, which she was saying that she had wanted to use it for 
Forbes 30 under 30. So every year Forbes creates this list of, I guess, the most, the movers and shakers across all industries, 30 people who are under 30 in Europe. And she applied and got rejected. And she also um, applied for a TED talk, but she got rejected from that. And then she shared a picture of a tweet that she posted that said, before people rate you, they'll probably underrate you, but don't worry too much about that. It just makes your come up story sweeter. And then she goes on to share in her caption that she wanted to share this photo as a reminder to herself that although external recognition and validation is nice and feels good, it does not make or break me. I have and will always be good enough. I am pure greatness and I back myself any day. Before people rate you, they'll underrate you. It's annoying, it's frustrating, but it's also life. And guess what? It just makes the come up story so much sweeter. And then she she goes on to say more things. So um, if you want to read her post, her handle is at Tiwa, L-O-W-L-A. And it just, it really spoke to me because I experienced that a lot. I am, I am underrated every single day. And just seeing her be so open and transparent, it made me feel like I'm not alone. It's not just me. There are lots of other people who are going through that. And and I, I also shared a post on Instagram where I was saying, you know, even if you're rejected, if people don't rate you, as long as you rate yourself, as long as you believe in yourself, that's all that matters. And you're, you just have to have visual motivation that one day you're going to say, damn, I wish I invested in her business or damn, I wish I didn't treat her so bad because now... I would have had this person in my network. And a great example of this is, I will never forget this story. So Oprah Oprah Winfrey, richest black woman in the world, billionaire, multi-billionaire. When she was on the come up, she auditioned for the role that she eventually got in The Colour Purple. And this casting director said to her, she was she she auditioned and then she called him to follow up because she auditioned, she had not heard anything. And this was in the 80s. She was relatively unknown. She had her talk show, but it was kind of just still growing. And he said, excuse me. He said, I have real actresses auditioning for this part. You don't call me, I call you. And then obviously she gets the part, but man just, he shot himself in the foot because Oprah said she never forgot that. Oprah brought this casting director back on her show, embarrassed the man and said, do you, do you remember what you said to me? You said to me, and then she repeated it. The man was so shame. It's like you actually were a fool. You you spoke shit about Oprah Winfrey and look at her now and look at him. I don't even know his name. He's nowhere. So for me, that motivated me. I thought I'm going to have my Oprah Winfrey moment. I'm going to have the Oprah Winfrey moment. So hang in there because she was underrated. Someone cussed her out and told her, who do you think you are? <laughs> and look at her now. So Thanks, Tiwa, for just being really transparent. And she, and I loved how she ended her Instagram post. She said, title or no title, I'm still that, capital letters, that girl. And I'll still show up as that girl. So just show up as if you are that person, that girl, that boy, that non-binary. Show up as if you are the shit, like as if you are the bomb and the boss because that energy is going to manifest and you'll actually become that. So shout out to Tiwa. Right, my second cheers of the week, I've got two, is, um, and I hope I don't butcher your name 
as well. Jolie Brearley, who is the founder of Pregnant Then Screwed. Pregnant Then Screwed, they are a um they are a movement, a campaign, an organization that uh Jolie has set up many years ago and she's been championing the rights of mothers in the UK. And this is based, her organization is called Pregnant Then Screwed because hence, as I mentioned before, the UK has this, the second most expensive childcare in the world. And Jolie set up her organization to combat this. She's been campaigning. When I say my girl has been organizing protests after protest marches for mothers all over the UK for years. And she's been behind the scenes put in pressure when I say pressure my girl has been putting pressure on the UK government's back to make and reform especially reform childcare, but the rights of working mothers and if it wasn't for her we would not have achieved history that was made last week give her she needs to be dame I'm calling her dame no I'm calling her dame Jolie okay dame Jolie from now on she deserves a damehood for what she has done so follow them on Instagram and or on Twitter pregnant underscore then underscore screwed she's giving so many gems and advice on policy for working mothers and I'm just so in admiration for her I just think she's a modern day hero a legend to change reform I don't think it's sunk in for her yet but she's she's made history and I'm so grateful as a woman for what she's done because now me when I have my kids I can feel like I can breathe like I don't have to be panicked or worried like how am I going to eat because of what she's championed and I just hope that I and I know the next government they'll keep this in. There's 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 no way that they won't. Um, well, I'm hoping they won't. Like I said, we live in a mad world, but let's 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 hope and pray. So, Dame Jolie, you get my cheers, and also you get my spirit of the week because you are a warrior. You are a warrior. You are a fighter. You motivated me because for what I'm doing, sometimes it's, it's it's tiring. Sometimes you feel like, am I mad? Am I crazy? You're trying to make people give a shit. And it does knock your spirit. But seeing what she was able to achieve, it motivated me. I felt like if she can do this, I can do this. Like I can, I want to get more women into these jobs. It's, I'm obsessed with it. Whenever I tell anyone, I'm like, I'm obsessed with getting women jobs. How is it that women, in terms of the workforce participation rate, how is it almost half of that of men? How, I, you know, I, I obsessed over it because I just feel like it's unjust. But sometimes I feel like I'm talking to a brick wall. Sometimes I feel like no one cares. But seeing her just push on and push on and push on and look what she's achieved it touched my spirit as well so you get my cheers and my spirit of the week so that's it we've come to the end of the podcast thanks for hanging with me and make sure you follow us on after work drinks club on instagram and afterworkdrinksclub at gmail.com if you've got any questions for me, if you've got any feedback for me. And also don't, for, don't forget to leave me a five-star review on Spotify, on an Apple podcast. Listen, I need people to know about what we have going on. You and I, it can't just be you and I. So leave a review, share this episode with someone who may get something from it and I'll see you back. You see, I did it. I stuck to my word. I feel so happy. I'm back every week from now on, me and you.